So you may have all kinds of powers of attorney out there, customs brokers acting on your behalf that you don't even know about. And some of those could be filing anti-dumping injuries. That you Welcome to Simply Trade, brought to you by Global Training Center. My name is Lalo, and together with my co-host, Andy, we have well over 60 years of combined trade, logistics, and supply chain experience. Along the way, we have seen and witnessed different challenges in trade compliance. We decided to put the show together and call on our friends and colleagues in the business to hang out with us and share their knowledge in all things trade. Thank you for spending some time with us. Enjoy the show. Hey, welcome back, everyone. Thank you for joining us here for this uh, second part of the talk that we had with uh, Bonnie Kirsch. Um, just as a reminder, if you are listening to this and have not heard the first part, I encourage you to please just go back and listen to that first part as this is a continuation of that discussion that we were having with uh, with Bonnie. And, um, you know, we pick up here from where we left off. In the interest of time, we, we decided to split the show up into two parts. Before we go on, also, I want to remind everyone something very important and uh, ask you to please um, rate and comment. Uh, on our show, wherever you listen to this podcast, especially if you're on uh, Apple Podcasts or Spotify, you know, one of those services, and we would really appreciate um, you doing that. So please do that uh, before the end of the show. Thank you very much. And uh, let's pick up uh, again on the conversation with um, Bonnie uh, regarding anti-dumping and countervailing duties. Well, let me ask this. Bonnie, what, what would be... Um so we, we've talked about, uh, again, vetting the suppliers, uh, vetting the commodity itself, doing research right. in that, mm-hmm. uh, at some point looking at a, uh, getting, you know, employing a, an expert at some point. Are there, there, I'm sure there's some other steps in here that we probably need to, to cover, don't you think? I think one of the things I would um, cover is partnering with your broker as well. Mm-hmm. Because when, you know, a shipment comes in, so there's, I, I've seen this happen, you know, in past, uh, past worlds, you know, past clients or whatnot, where you have two sets of brokers. You either have a broker who every time they get a shipment on your behalf that flags for possible anti-dumping or countervailing duties, they'll shoot you an email and say, hey, you know, I saw that this flags, can you let me know whether it's in scope of the ruling or out of scope of the ruling so I know whether I need to pay the duties on your behalf or not? That is the great relationship that you want to have with your broker, that they come to you and they ask you. I've also seen the flip side happen where a broker, every time a shipment flags for anti-dumping, they claim it and they pay it, (laughs) whether it qualifies for or not. And they never even check in with the importer um, to find out. So I've seen companies who are paying, you know, $50,000 a month in anti-dumping duties and didn't even know they had any anti-dumping happening and come to find out their products didn't even qualify for anti-dumping. They didn't fall under the scope of the ruling, but the broker was just claiming it every time it flagged. So I think that having that relationship with your broker and and putting that on your SOPs with them, you know, what's expected of them, that if something flags for anti-dumping, they need to let you know as the importer. They need to come to you and have that conversation. Well, that would be, to your point, two things. One, the relationship between an importer and a customs broker is more than your average than a regular, you know, uh, company vendor type relationship. A a, a Mm -hmm. customs broker 
with uh, a company is more of a, using the term like an intimate business relationship where they have to really, yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah. They, they have to know what you're striving to accomplish. And at the same time, mm-hmm. um, you know, they're, they're working on your behalf. So it's like, you know, that relationship as you just mentioned is like, Hey, I need you. You're my eyes in the port. If you will, you need to raise a flag. If there's a concern there, um, that's one thing. Right. The other is there, everyone should be doing, uh, at least a quarterly broker review. You know, some call it business review yeah. in general. I get that, but even a, a quarterly broker review and you're going through and looking at, well, how many formals, informals, how many O3 entries did you do? How many, uh, entries required mm-hmm. any kind of permits mm-hmm. or licenses? Let's look at that and, and go through and make sure that's where you're going to, that's where it's going to come up. Things are going to happen. I see that. I mean, it's like, okay, yeah, we claimed sure. it shouldn't have. Okay. But to that extent, again, we've been talking a lot about um, somewhat preventative type measures or being proactive. Most compliance in the last, you know, couple of decades have been very reactionary and things have gotten better mm-hmm. probably in the last five years in a sense of becoming more proactive. But let's take the reactive situation. Didn't have any control over it. Item comes in and you have one of those aha moment, uh, moments and like who authorized uh-huh. this to come in, you know, whatever. <laughs> what right. do you do with that kind of scenario there where you're finding out and going, oops, yeah, I mean, ultimately, um, typically, if you know your broker is contacting you and saying, "Hey, we've seen this good come in and it's flagged for anti-dumping," I, I mean, if it really does qualify for anti-dumping, it, it's kind of too late at that point. You just need to pay the anti-dumping, and at least for that mm-hmm. one, you know, shipment, um, pretty hard to to say no. I don't want it anymore and turn it around at that point, mm-hmm. right? Um, but but yeah, I mean, I would have that conversation. Like, where in the process did if my intent was to not have anything, you know, not purchase any anything that qualifies for anti-dumping, you know, where in the, in the process did that break down? Um, and, and there, maybe the vendor told you initially that their country of origin was Canada and come to find out, you know, they, they abbreviated CN didn't mean Canada, it meant China, Mm -hmm. right? So, Mm -hmm. you know, those conversations need to happen so that it doesn't happen again. Um, but you're right, you know, having that relationship with your broker that as a good business partner and reviewing that on, you know, at least a quarterly basis, Mm -hmm. like you said, I would say monthly, you know, is probably more, um, you know, appropriate for most situations. Um, but reviewing, you know, anti-dumping entries and how many did we have and did they really qualify? Was I really supposed to pay those duties and is this the way that we want to continue to run our business do we want to continue to pay these anti-dumping duties and like we talked about at the beginning do we have a choice you know is this the only vendor or the only you know country of origin we can get Mm -hmm. or is there another way to circumvent this in the supply chain process and what about bonnie okay so it came in you paid the anti-dumping later you find out wasn't subject to anti-dumping? I mean, are, are we going to do a drawback or is there any other way to get that money back? 
I would think that you would file like a post summary correction, you know, if you're if it hasn't been liquidated yet, or you know, if it's within the time for that, or a protest. I would think you could get that back that way. But you know, once you've paid money, it's a lot easier <laughs> to say, oh, I I didn't pay money that I should have paid and give more money than it is to say, oh, I paid money that I shouldn't have and to get it right. back, right? So I I haven't been through that process, Lalo, but I would think that there would be a lot of paperwork to prove that it didn't. Well, and not only that, and, and the issue. You know, even when you go through and get the approvals for um, in, in what you're filing to uh, the request the refund, it can sometimes take up to a year before mm-hmm. the government will cut you a check. And then it's like right. one yeah. issue. That, yeah, it's so going to take it's, a while. You're, you're taking a sure. hit on your cash flow because we're talking significant duties. Mm-hmm. Um, and when you're bringing yeah. in large things like that. So it's it's this is one where it would be wise again. Let's one of the shows that we've done is how to gain support from the C-suite. And part of the discussion mm-hmm. was you, as a compliance-related person, you need to have alliances with the the, the uh, transportation logistics, the, the sourcing or purchasing folks, and the, and the different areas of legal and IT and all of those things. So that as you're going through, one of the things I would tell you, I have uh, heard companies uh, will uh, form and on a regular basis hold meetings of a logistics council or a trade international trade council or whatever they Mm -hmm. want to call it. Mm -hmm. And it would be paramount to make sure that when you walk in, that's not the first time all your counterparts in that committee uh, have seen you, you, you know, you need to have networking ahead of time. So this is a a great example of how to, you know, again, pull that together and gain support. Let me take it a step further. So you have the ADCVDs entries and the brokers dealing with that. What about record retention now? Could be because it's like all bets are off. Some of these cases take years to, um, resolve. And uh, so what is there anything in particular that uh, you have done that to keep track of those kinds of things that maybe, you know, here's one that's seven years old or five years old or whatever the case is? Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, in the U.S., the the typical record retention policy Mm -hmm. is five years, right? It's a little bit longer in Canada. If if we have any, you know, Canadian listeners, it's six years plus the current year, right? So, um, you know, that's, that's pretty typical, but you also typically want to maintain records for anything, any entries that haven't liquidated mm-hmm. yet. And that would include like an open anti-dumping case, right? It may not have liquidated yet. So you can run reports in ACE, you know, there the customs go. platform to see your unliquidated right. entries. Um, and so if, you know, you find a report in ACE that shows unliquidated entries, you want to make sure you maintain those entries, those records until they liquidate at least until okay. they liquidate. Well, so something. All right. So going well. back through, we've talked about being proactive, vetting the suppliers and, and looking at for several different things, not just an AD or CVD, but, you know, all the different, you know, mm-hmm. uh, issues that would come up. So vetting your suppliers. Sure vetting the commodity itself, being involved with the everything from the classification to the research. So that's the third thing. Um, then reaching out to uh, appropriate experts um, to, you know, confirm what your assessment is or, or uh, get more information on it. Um, again, sure. doing your broker reviews 
and having the the uh, instructions mm-hmm. with your broker. So the uh, that I, I kind of put that all in one is like your your relationship with your broker and doing broker reviews of your entries. And the last thing that you brought up there mm-hmm. was uh, you know running the reports in ACE so you don't get caught flat-footed. Um, ACE, is, and I'm, obviously I'm talking it from a U.S. perspective, and then like you just mentioned, Canada or any other country is keeping up with this, is you need to find out if you're listed as the importer of record under your EIN number, what is it that the government mm-hmm. is looking at? And that's what those reports are, case in point, what you right. just mentioned on ACE, right? Okay. Right. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, running regular entry summary reports is super important to understand, you know, first of all, you know, going back to talking about the brokers and having reviews with them, do you really know all of the brokers that are acting on your behalf? You may think you do, (laughs) but are there brokers out there who are actually clearing goods on your behalf that you're not even aware of? Sometimes um, someone in your customer service department might get sent a shipper's letter of instruction and just sign the bottom of it with good intention to get the shipping movement, but they don't realize that, you know, at the bottom of that SLI is a power of attorney granting the broker the right to clear on your behalf. So you may have all kinds of powers of attorney out there, customs brokers acting on your behalf that you don't even know about. And some of those could be filing anti-dumping entries that you don't know about. So definitely keeping a, um, track of your data is is super important. Well, and to that point, that's a great situation there when you run those reports and you see there are brokers tendering entries for you. In that if your company has those logistics committees or, or international trade committees, that's a great example to bring back out and say, hey, guys, this is, uh, I don't know if you knew this or not, this is not really an approved broker. Somebody signed off, they tendered the entry, satisfied right. the immediate, but now there's, you know, as I would say, now uh, I'm being a pooper scooper at the end of a parade here. It's mm-hmm. like, I got to clean right. up this mess and I didn't create right. it, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You have to clean right. up the mess. We, we had a client. Oh, so then you have the, the. No, I was going to say we had a client. Well, I was going to say, and then you have. No, no, go, then, go ahead. Sorry, go ahead, we're talking ahead. over each other. I was going to say, then you have the issue of trying to figure out how that right, happened right, in the first right. place, right, Andy? So who is issuing those powers of attorney? Who's signing those SLIs? And maybe that's just a matter of additional training, you know? And like you said, building those relationships. If people, you know, and, and building those relationships is so important that it doesn't just mean you show up to a meeting every now and then and say, hey, I'm Andy, the trade compliance yeah. guy, or, you know, something like that. It means like, Go to dinner with these people, right? Grab a Coke with them, you know, get a coffee, something like that, and really form those relationships so that when these things come up in their daily course of business, they think, oh, yeah, I remember that guy, Andy. Like, I should give him a call. He was a nice guy, right? I want to talk to him. So that's how you get buy-in. You want to be a resource for people, not like a – Lala, what were you going to say? No, well, what I was going to well, say is, uh, yeah. coincidentally enough, Bonnie helped with a client a few years ago. They had a trade summit, if you remember, Bonnie, um, that they they gathered the the heads of all departments. They did it, uh, and they pretty much, it was called a trade summit. It's an internal company trade summit. They trained the engineering, purchasing, and then you all had a bunch of little mini topics, you know, like a little mini conference within the corporation. And they just went through and, uh, right. you know, it, that's how they make them aware of stuff like this. 
Yeah, it's really important to have have that awareness of all, you know, topics trade compliance related. You know, I think I think most companies are really good at saying, okay, you know, we comply with the Foreign Corrupt Practices Act or, you know, we're not selling Russian goods or, you know, those sorts of things. But what about, you know, how does trade compliance affect pricing or how does trade compliance affect um you know, you might have an issue where you have a deemed export situation where you have something that's licensable and right. certain people from who are Chinese um, nationals who work for your company aren't allowed in that part of your you know, warehouse or your laboratory. Right. So trade compliance really affects everything from HR to legal to, you know, any part of the business that you can think of. So really building those relationships like like Andy and Lalo, both of you were talking about is really just mm -hmm. important. Well, I tell you what, I think this has been good. We could probably keep on going on all kinds of things, but, uh, I, I, you know, it, here's the thing that what's, what we're talking about today is would be considered a bit more of an advanced topic for compliance people. <clears throat> and if anybody is new to the compliance arena, they need to be looking at building a foundation of solid uh, knowledge and skill development before you start taking on this kind of an item. And uh, if you are thrust into a situation like this where you need to uh, deal with an anti-dumping or, or CBD case, uh, it would be highly suggested that uh, you get some expert help, but then get yourself into a, some training programs to mm -hmm. get yourself up to speed. Absolutely. Yeah, that's yeah. when you call Lalo, right? That's when you call Lalo and you say, Lalo, I, I knew here, I need some training, help me out. Um, yeah, and he yeah. can definitely, you know, yeah, do he, that he in keeps a looking at me. Yeah, I'm dumb as a box of rocks. He's like, Andy, you got to get through oh, these hush. things. I'm telling you. <laughs> yeah, <right. laughs> all right. Oh. Yeah, right. <laughs> we all know that's and on that true. note, um, yeah. thank but, you, though. I mean, yeah. that, it's like we're. <laughs> We're uh, now again running out of time. Thank you very much. Okay. I, mean, I don't know any final words, um, uh, Bonnie, or? Um, I think just, you know, for someone who is new to trade compliance, I think it can be very daunting to be thrown into that role because there is just so much to do and so much to learn and so many topics. So I would really, you know, some advice I would give someone, you know, in that situation is to just take it right. piece by piece, right? Take a deep breath. Don't bite off more than you can chew. If you are tasked with handling anti-dumping right away, I would go to the Department of Commerce website and start reading. You know, there's also a really good, not to plug Netflix, <laughs> but there's a super good um, Netflix Netflix episode on anti-dumping. So it's the TV show. It's called oh, Rotten, R-O-T-T-E-N, yeah. um, Rotten. Mm -hmm. Rotten. And it's in, it's in season one. I forget which episode, but it's an episode about the avocado case that I talked about earlier. But it's really good episode. They interview the farmers. They interview the Chinese um, producers as well. And they go through the whole situation. And, you know, Netflix is so good at producing these things. So it's, it's actually pretty interesting and not yeah. as dry as we I will, think. Uh, TV, we will highlight. Like I think that's and, a good place and, to and, uh, find the source so that we're in yeah. the show notes. We'll list that in. That's that's actually. Yeah. Speaking so. of yeah. Netflix, real quick, uh, I think it's they good. also did a really good point of showing what. Um, does anybody see Ozark? On Netflix, they this yeah. last. Yeah, I feel like I can launder I know, money this now. Last I probably season, they can, very, but. very they covered a lot on uh, what is it SDN? Is that what it is? Uh, it's like they did. What is yeah, SDN? they were trying to get someone <laughs> off of the denied I, I, I'm, I'm like, basically. I'm, yeah. what they oh, cover? They spent, I'm sorry. 
They they were so they were trying to bring in someone. I'm I'm trying to remember exactly, but basically they were laundering money for the Mexican drug cartel, and they wanted to get somebody off of the um, designated nationals list, like basically off of the denied parties list. And um, so they covered that a lot in this just mainstream TV show. So it was kind of wow. like, I think for yeah, people for, like for, like for us, like, it was kind of yeah. a geeky like, hey, I know about for, that. For like That's three what or four I do. episodes, in fact. I mean, it was like, wow, okay, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Good night. I know. Anyway, yeah. okay. So right. thank you. I mean, yeah. Yeah. Always happy to talk. <laughs> well, we're going to have you back. Um, I can, mean, there's no doubt. Yeah, we're definitely. Time. Hopefully, uh, we can carve out some time in your schedule here in the future. But we definitely will, we're going to have you back. This we love talking to you. Thank you very much for joining us. Simply Trade is brought to you by the generous contributions of Global Training Center. You can follow the show and GTC on LinkedIn or Twitter and other social networks. Make sure you check out the show notes in the description for a full rundown of today's show with all the important links. Also, make sure that you share this with a friend and subscribe on your favorite streaming platform. We really like hearing from you. If you enjoyed the show, make sure to rate and review wherever you listen to this podcast. If you or someone you know would like to be a guest on the show or would like to sponsor Simply Trade or suggest any topic you would like for us to discuss, please contact us via email at simplytrade@globaltrainingcenter.com or you can DM us on Twitter at simplytradepod. Thank you again for the privilege of your time. Happy trading. Simply Trade is not a law firm or an advisor. The topics and discussions conducted by Simply Trade hosts and guests should not be considered and is not intended to substitute legal advice. You should seek appropriate counsel for your own situations. These conversations and information are directed towards listeners in the United States for informational, educational, and entertainment purposes only and should not be substituted for legal advice. No listener or viewer of this podcast should act or refrain from acting on the basis of information on this podcast without first seeking legal advice from counsel. Information on this podcast may not be up to date depending on the time of publishing and the time of viewership. The content of this posting is provided as is. No representations are made that the content is error-free. The views expressed in or through this podcast are those of the individual speakers, not those of their respective employers or Global Training Center as a whole. All liability with respect to actions taken or not taken based on the contents of this podcast are hereby expressly discussed.